0: Hi, everybody, welcome to episode two of season two of Wrong Term Memory, where we are looking at serial killers. Colin, how are you, mate? You okay?
1: Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, I um, enjoyed last week's show, got some good feedback stuff on the socials and stuff from that, which was great to hear. Uh, so buzzing to do this one as well because uh, this guy's a very interesting character to say the least. How, how's things with you?
0: Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Like, sitting topless, as always, you know still, still it's, roasting it's just upstairs it's what
1: you do it's just part of your podcast get up it's microphone notes top off that's how you do it
0: that is it it's Gary Ridgway we're talking about today mate the Green River Killer another Premier League serial killer basically yeah
1: yeah absolutely Um, a, a massive list of Confirmed victims and a, just almost on a list almost as big of potential victims as well that we just don't know about with this guy. Um but a, quite an interesting story. Uh, it ticks a lot of boxes at the start, but he's also quite weird, I think, in his motives and stuff like that. A very, very interesting individual. And he's still alive, Jack. He's not dead, he's still kicking about in a jail. Is he still in the jail, is he? So he's, yeah, he's kicking about. Nobody's done him in, nobody's battered him.
0: And that's a strange one because these guys have got like a target on their back you would imagine once they go to jail because they are so infamous basically it's like a badge of honor yeah. if like old oh, bad guy kills a fucking serial killer you know because that's what happened yeah to but no me. he's still kind he... of
1: quite happy yeah yeah, but no this one's still there I, there was a bit of he was. we'll get to it at the end I suppose but there was a bit he got put in maximum security isolation for a while and there was some complaints made because it was costing the government so much they put him in general population and to date, he's survived.
0: Right, because it happens quite a lot. I think they go into sort of solitary confinement for at least their first year. Well, that's what happened with Damer, anyway, to keep him safe. And then as soon as he went in a pop, it didn't take somebody long to leather his content. Every serial killer kind of is born and has a childhood. And there is a couple of boxes getting ticked pretty early on with young Gary... An overbearing mother, who was pretty prudish as regards in regards to sex, basically, and a father who was not a positive role model. Really, um, a bit of a, a bit of a waster, and again, just sort of that triumphant of things that send alarm bells ringing as a as a youngster, young Gary.
1: Yeah, and he, the one thing his father did do, his father wasn't a great role model, didn't give him many life lessons and all that sort of stuff, but the one thing the father sort of waxed lyrical about was his own hatred towards sex workers and how he saw them as subhuman. And I don't think young Gary learnt much from his father, but he did learn one thing, and um, it'll, we'll come on to it later, I am sure. The um, only thing I've about his father as well, which I think quite interesting, Jack, was... His father told him an anecdote when he was younger about working in a morgue and how a co-worker used to have sex with the dead bodies. Um, not quite the bedtime tale my father used to tell me, Jack.
0: No, it's not quite fucking Humpty Dumpty, is it? Or like um, The Three Little Piggies it's and anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, fucking dead bodies, which is a little bit of a, a curveball to tell your young child. His parents also argued quite a lot and that made Gary quite an anxious child. So he pissed the to bed tons, basically. And his mum had an interesting way of handling this, a bit bizarre.
1: Yeah, she did. Um, so, I mean, he pissed the bed frequently. And his mother would basically march him to the bathroom and wash his balls and cock by hands afterwards. Um, even into his teenage years, um, he later found this quite sexual, but it also angered him at the same time and he would daydream about killing his mother, Um, but obviously not until his balls were cleaned.
0: Yeah, he simultaneously hated his mother and found her sexually attractive, which is obviously fucking bizarre. His mother was very domineering, a major figure in young Gary's life. Like, she wouldn't just basically wash his balls, but would take the piss out of him in front of his family and like show his brothers pissed stained sheets and go like ah, look what your brother's doing he's pissed to bed again even though he's a teenager it's just bullying and this obviously sort of set the tone for how he felt about women basically his whole his whole career because it was basically just prostitutes that he focused on uh, with his murders basically absolutely.
1: and his mother yeah, used to sort
0: absolutely. of dress up as well supposedly quite slutty like and would like flashy fanny and stuff like that and <laughs> to her children. So she's obviously pretty fucked up and again this just um made Gary fucked in the
1: head, let's be honest. Yeah, I think I think that sort of upbringing would do that to you. Um he was born in February nineteen forty nine. Uh, they lived in a place called Seattle, which is near Seattle. Uh, they moved there in nineteen sixty when he was eleven. And that was when he started ready for the alarm bell, torturing animals. Um started with birds, some mice and even the family cat um, Jack you've got pets, had a lot of pets but that's kind of next level badness isn't it? It's bad. These serial killers all tend to fucking fuck with animals and do stuff but it seems worse if it's the family pet, the family cat's actually getting it from him
0: Yeah because it obviously had a name like little mittens or something and he's been he's grown up with this cat and he's tortured and he's also setting things on fire which again is one of the sort of... Three things that you look out for... And serial killers as youngsters... And it's animals, fire... And pissing the bed... Like... He used to set things on fire... And then just have a chug... Like he used to wank at fire man... Like... Fire's pretty hot... But not in that sense you know... It's not something I want to tear the head off to... You know I just... I suppose there was no X videos or anything back then... So you've got to sort of... Um, imagine things but fire... I'll admit, like, see, when I was younger, like, I occasionally set fire to a bin, like, or threw matches in them and sort (laughs) of ran away. I don't really know what happened to the bin, but uh, I wasn't pissing the bed or fucking animals up, so uh, that's why I never started killing people,
1: I suppose. But Gary Ridgeway. You did. I was going to say, like, you. I was going to say that setting something on fire and having a stand, having a wank, looking at it is is next level, like absolute next level. Pulling your banger will set off a banger. It's just <laughs>
0: madness. no way, man. Um, Gary admitted that he always wondered what it would be like to kill somebody, and we get to his first sort of weird story, and that's in the early sixties, mate, when he's round about fourteen.
1: Yeah, this is weird. This is a we don't want to say it's first victim because nobody knows, even him Um, but this is in the early 60s, he was around 14 years of age and he claims that he might have killed a boy when out swimming in a a lake Um, he claims that he locked his legs around the boy and drowned him Um, obviously years, years later when caught he told police that he thinks that it was true but he can't be sure as he had lots of vivid dreams at the time Um, Police obviously looked into this and they found that at that time and place two possible victims were identified a very young boy and a 10 year old boy, however no post mortems were ever done so nothing could ever be proven so he either killed someone very very young at the age of 14 Jack and he can't be sure of it because it was a dream or it might have been real we just don't know um, given what we're going to learn about him, I think he probably did do it, but it doesn't. It does go kind of against his MO in terms of a victim.
0: Yeah, because a couple of years after that, he gets to sixteen, and this is his first definite attempt to murder somebody. Where he lured a sexual child, a sexual boy, into some woods, stabs him, and just walks away. Um, basically, told the police to, uh, that he wanted to see what it was like, and that's it. I wanted to see what it was like stabbing somebody. Uh, the wee kid lived, and. Like Gary had absolutely no remorse about this, as far as I know. The young boy has got pretty vivid memory of it um, being stabbed at that age, and he can remember Gary just walking away, just not particularly giving a fuck. You know what I mean? Stabbing a stabbing a child, you know, just fucked fucked up in the head, obviously. You know, but that was 1964 as a as a 16 year old. So he's starting pretty early trying to kill people.
1: He is, and here's the the first sort of bit where he goes a little bit strange, a little bit against the norm, because at school, Jackie was actually fairly popular, particularly with girls. Um, they liked him, they thought he was quite cool. However, the ones that weren't interested in him, they used to drive him crazy, and he would stalk those ones. And the fact that he couldn't get them, or they didn't like him, proper, proper angered them. Um, but he wasn't, like, an ugly loner. His classmates felt he was fairly normal. His behaviour was pretty controlled as well. Um, Neighbours that would probably see him even more thought he was a nice, quiet kid, and throughout most of his school life, he had a steady girlfriend. Um, So that does kind of go against what you normally have when you look into the kind of school life of most of these guys, isn't it? Yeah, he wasn't a particularly bright
0: child. He didn't actually get his high school diploma until he was 20 years old, so he's no, like secret genius of crime, he didn't excel at school, he wasn't like sneaking about, I think he had a double digit IQ maybe in the 80s or something like that, but pretty popular with the girls, nice kids, supposedly got married at 20 um, to his high school sweetheart and got a job, Um, he was out of school and became a man, in inverted commas basically, uh, at Kenworth, Kenworth Trucks as a trainee. Uh, he was working there, but not only that, he went into the army, I think as well, or the navy, even, so he did.
1: Yeah, his, um, he had a trainee post at kinetic Trucks, and when that came to an end, he enlisted in the US Navy, and he was stationed over Ding Ding in the Philippines, and this this is another thing we hear a lot about, when that goes to the Philippines, ends up messing with prostitutes, and like that, that's what he did, he started using prostitutes and he even contracted a pretty serious STD over there Jack, which I think compounded his attitude towards sex uh, workers and prostitutes in general
0: Yeah, he found that his wife was cheating on him as well, so again just another reason in his mind to absolutely hate women so he ends up getting a divorce, with so 22 he's unemployed, divorced, he catches a break and gets hired by Kent like Woodruff and he walks there for the rest of his life, until he gets caught and imprisoned, basically. Pretty safe, steady job, he liked it. Uh, 24, he gets remarried to, uh, what's the girl's name? Something Marsh, sorry. We'll call her Miss Marsh at the moment, I don't have it in front of me. And they had a son in 1975, and he sort of comes into the story later on, but um, he sort of settling down, full-time job,
1: family man, at the, that's one of his faces, obviously. It is, but it's not all as it seems, because things start to go wrong for him as he realises that having this son called Matthew, uh, his wife is no longer at his beck and call at all times. She's now got another person that makes her busy, and she's got to look after. And this kind of went against the strong, very strong sexual desires that he had prior to the son being born, and he continued to have, and they were now being unmet. Uh, He liked to have sex, Jack, two or three times a day, every day and he began to resent the baby and how much it impacted upon his shagging. He
0: gets into evangelicalism, basically starts quoting the Bible to co-workers and just gets a little bit stranger. Again, starts visiting the local hotspots in inverted commas with the sex workers uh, next to the Green River. There we are where he absolutely loved to get his jiggy on outdoors uh, and I think he ends up splitting up with Marsha, it's not Miss Marsha, it's Marsha was her name, Uh, they split up, and this is sort of related to, like, he's actually arrested, like, this happens a lot, we've covered this, he's arrested for attacking a sex worker, um, but he claims that he bit his banger, basically, and he got off on on a self-defence plea for attacking a prostitute, basically. So they could have, so, they could have caught him. They might have put him in the jail or whatever. But he said, "She bit my willy and get away with
1: it." Yeah, another example of police attitude towards certain bits of society and letting dangerous people slip through their fingers, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah. Um, this probably highlights quite a bit about what he thought of prostitutes at the time and how people in general did Um, the divorce from the wife though was finalised in 1981 Um, he told police later on he wished he'd just killed Marsha and then that might have that might have sedated his desire and saved many lives however I think that seems dubious based on what happened next because he didn't just stop at one killing and that was enough for him was it
0: no he like hated prostitutes he despised them he said and he hated them since he was a youth and through his newfound religious beliefs but he couldn't stay away from them you know, he hated them but just couldn't help getting back and he used them so regularly and it, but he complained about them really bitterly um, saying that like, look at the prostitutes over there in my neighbourhood making it all scummy and shit, but he did feel that he shouldn't have to ever pay for sex and that kind of has not, not M.O., but that's one of the main reasons. I don't want to pay you, so instead of you grassing me in, I'm just going to fucking murder you, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, when questioned by police about his motivations and stuff like that, it was wildly speculative that he just killed him because he didn't want to pay them. Uh, the other thing with it as well, though, Jack, was he didn't ever want to become known in the red light areas or the prostitute circles and stuff. It's just a regular John or seen as a guy that any of the prostitutes would get to know regularly. Um, so it, it wasn't so much the killing. I don't think the killing turned them on or the killing really wasn't his main finger. It was the sex. He just wanted to fuck as many of them as possible, but still remain relatively under the radar and not be seen as a kind of grubby sex user. So he would just kill them because that tied some ends up and got rid of them, put them out of the way.
0: Yeah, as far as we know, like his spree basically started in 1982. He was given partial custody of his son, Matthew, And this gives him, basically, an opportunity, an alibi. He's got this family man background. He's got photos of his kid in the car, so he would use them when approaching prostitutes. It puts him a little bit at ease. He's a family man. Um, He would usually pretend to be, sort of, fix his truck. uh, And when they approached or whatever, he would then whip out pictures of Matthew, basically. And it wasn't just pictures, but because this is a little... This is even... This is probably the strangest, most, I think, you kind know, of fucked up story, um, how he used Matthew at seven.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, I'm sure you've all been left outside a pub by your dad at some point where a kind of coke and a packet of crisps, right? But this is next level. Uh, he's around seven and his dad actually picks up a woman, but presumably a prostitute, when Matthew's in the car with him. They drive to a nearby beauty spot and Ridgway and the girl go into the woods and he just leaves young Matthew in the car he comes back on his own and he tells the boy that the nice lady walked home because it was such a nice day
0: yeah he basically he's he's bust again he's kind of caught when using a prostitute who is an undercover cop working in Vice and it's kind of like prostitute prostitutism is that right that's close enough prostitution yeah, prostitution, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Big business, you know? Um, like, lots of sex workers, but again, they're just drifters. The police don't particularly care. Nobody really cares. Like, they don't have close family, nobody's reporting these people missing, so he's kind of hit a weak point in society, basically, where if these women go missing because they're on the outskirts of society, nobody really cares. Nobody, nobody cares, nobody, nobody notices, cares.
1: mate, yeah. Yeah. But probably uh, nobody knows their second name, even the people they're standing in corners with all night. So it's, it's an untapped sort of supply for them in some ways, which is pretty grim. Well,
0: we'll just tell your mother that, uh, that uh, we ate it all.
1: Wrong Term is has joined forces with Piesports at Piesports.com.
0: The pies are absolutely class. I love the Mr. Singh's chicken and bala. That is so tasty.
1: That is a good one. I think my favourite would probably be the macaroni though.
0: I prefer meat in my pie. That's what she said. <laughs> Deary me, so if I was to pick a second favourite it would be the steak, haggis and peppercorn sauce.
1: It's not a bad choice for any of these pies, Trift Jack, because you've got things like the dirty mac, the mac and cheese, the black pudding. Traditional scotch pie, you've got the Mr. Singh's chicken and bala like we spoke about, and if you like a bit of beef, you've got the beefy bake. The choices are endless.
0: And even if you're trying to lose a couple of pounds, like myself and Colin probably could, there is the skinny scotch which has got 40% reduced fat.
1: Sounds good. And one of the best things about this company is you don't have to go to the bakers and stand in a queue with people full of germs to get these. You don't have to go to Asda, you don't have to go to Morrison's, you don't have to go to Tesco, nowhere like that. You go to Piesports.com, you select your pies, you put in your address and they deliver them to your house anywhere in Central Scotland. It couldn't be easier than that.
0: As a listener, you get special treatment though and you can win a box of pies delivered anywhere in the UK. All
1: you've got to do is look out for the hashtag WTM Pies on Twitter or use our website wrongtermemory.com and fill in the form there. And you could win a box of pies each week on the show.
0: May as well pass to a couple of other Scottish legends.
1: Magic.
0: Well, what's that? 17 minutes ago, was it? Mm. We're in the house, minding my own business, lying on my ribs, Then, Booth. We're here on the high street, searching for the beefy bake. Huh.
1: That is the power of advertising, Jack Boy. Mm. We are the mere puppets of your marketing bigwigs.
0: Yeah, uh, Renee Denfield uh, survived an attack from him, and she's got a first-hand description. Uh, The men all looked the same in the cars. He looked ordinary, but ordinary men I had discovered could be the most dangerous. Um, Rennie Denfield wrote a book about surviving the Green River killer, but his eyes were hidden behind dirty glasses. He wore a jacket and plain trousers. drove her out of Skid Row uh, into an industrial area far away from where normal johns would stop. The streets were empty. Abandoned buildings and Rennie started to get a little bit scared. She asked him to stop. He just stared back at her. He asked again, then smiling. He delicately poked his tongue out at me once, twice, like a serpent. So he's a fucking... Like, that would put the f- the heavy fear up you. something going... Like a snake man. Like, oh, fuck, get away from you. Um, she did. She managed to get away from him, Colin, so she did just...
1: She did, yeah, um, and she, she continued to kind of tell the story and speak about it in future. She said that cold terror filled her. Uh, living on the street, she'd become numb to fear. It's hard to discern one horror filled moment from another when you live such a jumbled up red haze nightmare. But in that moment, I woke up to life and I suddenly knew I was at risk. I suddenly realised that my own life had value that had never occurred to me before. It slowed down at an empty intersection and I lunged for the door handle, and before I knew it, it was opening and I was tumbling out. I looked up and he was backing up. I saw the red lights blinking at me and I heard him angrily cursing from inside. So I ran limping while he drove up and down the empty streets peering through his unrolled window into the night looking for me. I got lost and I finally rolled down a freeway embankment and landed in thorny bushes. As dawn rose in the sky, cold to my bones, I limped my way back downtown, shivering, miserable. I crept to a park and wrapped myself in old cardboard and cried myself to sleep. Um, you can see how she gave an offer Jack she's quite good isn't she yeah the
0: the part about suddenly realising that her own life had value and it hadn't occurred to her before is it's just sad man uh, it's awful sad the, yeah these women sort of staying in the, the outskirts of society but 1982 in July uh, the first body is discovered uh, Wendy Caulfield was strangled and dumped in the Green River in Washington State. Uh, long, winding, uh, scenic and pretty remote. In August, two more bodies were found in the river by fishermen. Um, he thought there were showroom dummies at the start, and at this stage, police are now beginning to think, shit, we've got a serial uh, killer on our hand, especially after um, Dave Riker and Sue Peters, who led the murder team, found a third body hidden in the bushes. So they're starting to sort of put the pieces together that there's a guy dumping bodies
1: Hello friends, Colin here. The looks, the charm and the brains behind Drug Term Memory. Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier, where you get absolutely hee-haw, other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. We've also reduced the price of the two top tiers eh, by a pound on each of them, just because we appreciate Life is a little bit shit just now, and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people, then we will. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash wrong term memory, and you'll be able to get early access to shows, ad-free, and lots of bonus content.
0: In this sort of nice, scenic place, but
1: obviously pretty remote it's pretty remote and the bodies that they found four bodies and all at this point have all been strangled um, it was rare to find bodies after that in such good condition as many were decomposed uh, groupings were common and certain dumping grounds seemed to get used for the, for like five or six women at a time and then they would, you would start finding them in different areas after that the belief is Jack, this seemed to be so that you could remember the areas go back sexually violate the corpses and then move the bodies en masse as they started to decompose Fuck me. That's grim. Yeah, so the police are, like... They become a little bit overwhelmed here.
0: Um, This is before, obviously, computer networks, DNA security cameras and stuff like that. And they eventually have a list of... Not 13, not 1,300, but 13,000 names of potential murderers. Um, They've got a list of... um, It's not exactly Mindhunter, like this is, but they weren't helped by a guy called Melvin Foster... Basically, um, the narrator sets down to taxi drivers and pimps and sort of low lives around the strip. And into the story comes this guy, Melvin. He's an ex con. Um, he contacts police to mention a potential suspect. However, police become a little bit sus of this guy. Um, he seemed to know a lot of the victims. He admitted that he used their service. Police watched him them search his house twice, tried to trap him. But he, this guy sort of loved being part of the investigation, loved the media attention, and he actually didn't do anything to try and clear his name basically uh, a bit of a fucking
1: weirdo obviously yeah that seems to attract this doesn't it whenever they do these like helplines or t- give us your information it does seem to be 95% utter garbage they get isn't it that it comes through um, but I suppose that one 5% or that 1% you get can really really help but it does just seem like a way of creating so much fucking shit and rubbish to work through doesn't it
0: they spent an absolute fortune on this guy because he was our number one candidate so it like, drained funds out of the task force and it actually ended up getting disbanded because they, they couldn't well it wasn't him obviously but they couldn't prove it was him or anything like that um, some people believe that he might have actually killed one or two people in inverted commas but like I that the task force gets spends so much money on this guy that they have to disband and it just lets Gary plod along strangling prostitutes basically
1: There's obviously someone in this task force that were a bit of foresight, a bit of initiative, which is quite impressive given the time we're at. And they actually started gathering evidence such as semen, hairs, etc., and categorising these with great foresight because they believed they might be useful later uh, as technology advanced and as they started to be able to put things together a little bit better. Uh, But most of 1982 and 1984 was collecting bodies at an alarming rate. Um, At one stage, uh, the guy leading this came. Police force at the time said they didn't have the time to follow every single lead, as they had to attend sites of bodies being found. So there's literally bodies being found almost continuously. They don't have time to follow up, and half the stuff that's coming through. That's how prolific this was.
0: Yeah, the case of drew a lot of criticism for lack of results, um, but again, lack of technology. Public didn't really care. Like, they were pretty indifferent to the fate of these sex workers. And a lot of cranks, like you mentioned, would be phoning in. Um, Tons of sex workers getting picked up by regular Johns and and so on and so forth. But you've got to remember that Ridgway has been fucking arrested for beating up a prostitute and going to an undercover cop. So you you would have thought that he'd have been pretty high up the list of people to follow uh, and look into. And we might get onto it. I think they did at a point. Um, but we'll speak about uh, Marie Malver first mate
1: Yeah so Marie Malver was uh, a prostitute and she was last seen get into a pickup truck uh, by her pimp Um, nice guy this pimp because he became concerned um, because he looked over and he thought there was an argument going on so he followed the truck Um, he lost him after the truck ran a red light and vanished he told police a week later but he didn't trust the police so he contacted her father and said they should perhaps search an area where the van might have headed. He remembered the truck's colour and markings. One night, they went down a road and saw the truck, and reported it to the police who followed it up, and it was Gary Ridgway's house. Um, <laughs> imagine, imagine the fatler and the pimp working together. That's fucking mental. Um, but the police visited the house, and he was a very plausible guy. There was no evidence at all, Jack. No sign of any killings. His house was clean. He had a steady job. So the police left... And the father actually believed it as well and they just stopped the search. No one put together the van's markings, the sightings, and most importantly, his previous arrests. So he's slipped through their fingers again. Yeah, Gary we said, I like to drive by the clusters around the country
0: and think about the women that I had ready placed there. So, yeah, strange as fuck. He did become a suspect um, in 83 or 84 um, and he sat and he passed a polygraph test which we know nowadays I don't actually think they're any better than 50-50 um, to be perfectly honest with you he then vanished from the radar of the police like just sort of oh, well he's fine he passed a polygraph he's got a nice clean house he's got a job it can't be him uh, but crucially like you had mentioned there the police took some hair and saliva from the suspects in case anything in the future became available so a little bit of foresight um, they do get pelters for being fucking hopeless at points but Like you said, somebody managed to think technology will get better so we may as well collect some
1: samples and that's obviously going to play a key part later on, mate. Yeah, one of of those policemen obviously sat down one day and watched Jurassic Park and just went, Eureka, we can they do this. <laughs> <laughs> because, I don't know about you, Jack, but all my knowledge of DNA comes from Jurassic Park. <laughs> so um that is that in the little the little DNA strand that explains it all, that's where math knowledge comes from from that. Um a quote here from Gary Ridgway, Do I look like the Green River Killer? Um around about nineteen eighty five he began dating a woman called Judith Mawson who became his third wife later on in nineteen eighty eight. Mawson claimed in a 2010 TV interview, Jack, that when she moved into his house while he was dating, there was no carpet, uh, which she thought was strange at the time. Detectives later told her that was probably because he'd wrapped a body up in it at some point.
0: Yeah, she, in the same interview, she claimed that she had, like, no idea what he was doing. He would leave the house claiming to work early for overtime pay, and she sort of thinks that he must have been murdering then, but again, didn't suspect him and like she hadn't even heard supposedly of the Green River killer um, because she didn't watch the news so she had no idea what was happening and this seems to be a very clear case of a proper double life um, because they seemed to believe um, Judith that she had no idea what was going on
1: Yeah, an author called Penny Moorhead interviewed Ridgway in prison and he told her that his urge to kill would reduce significantly when he was in a relationship with Mawson, uh, which caused him to commit far fewer murders than he otherwise would have done or had been doing previous to marrying her. He says he truly loved her. Um, Mawson then told a local television reporter, I feel I've saved lives by being his wife and making him happy. Mate, I think that goes back to the the idea that this isn't about murdering for him, it's about sex. It's about how much sex he can have. And this wife was obviously fulfilling those needs for him to the most point and he wasn't having to go out and murder people as much so as horrible as that must seem for her she probably did save lives by banging her husband quite often
0: Now this is an interesting one because serial killers tend to not stop until they get caught but for a decade or so I don't think he murdered anybody um, After 1987 the Schwabs had got nowhere and the task force was wound down in nineteen ninety one and for a decade nothing happened and I think he only maybe killed only, but he only maybe killed one person during this decade. Uh, Family life seemed to shoot him, but he does get arrested eventually.
1: He does eventually, yeah, but here's where it goes a little bit Hollywood, but it's actually true. Uh, To help with the investigation, the police brought in a consultant, Jack. Um, The consultant they brought in, Ted Bundy. Um, They went to visit him in a Florida prison, and Bundy gave them basically all his thoughts and all his ideas based on our serial killer's frame of mind is what he was doing. He advised them that a disposal site was probably close to the killer's home, so the police created a triangle around that area, and that was when they identified that Ridgway's home was located within this red zone.
0: Yeah, so we're in the 2000s now, you know, so we're, we're getting on in time, and it was a cold case by then, but because DNA had moved on a lot since 1987, they decided to Basically, take a wee look and they immediately got a match taken from samples from um, a couple of the murders and this is sort of, this is where he gets arrested basically. They went to his work at Kenworth Trucks where he had um, been for 30 years now um, and arrested him basically. Um, More charges, Wendy Caulfield, Deborah Bonner, Deborah states were added when the investigators found traces of like a very specific spray paint that um, he used to work with. um was found in their remains and sort of at his worker on his clothes or whatever. So they've they've made big jumps um, and sort of figuring out that, or at least linking them um, and being able to prove um, that he'd killed he'd killed these women, mate.
1: Yes, I mean at this point they've got him for seven. Uh, seven seven killings here um, so he realises he's fucked he realises that he's potentially facing execution at this point so he makes a plea bargain with the prosecutor agreeing to make a full confession and help the authorities find remains of his victims in exchange for avoiding the death penalty in total mate he ends up convicted of 49 murders he did confess to 71 um but they could only find the evidence and the proof to make forty nine of them stick. However the estimate is that the actual number, because of these lucid dreams and him not remembering everything and just being so many, is actually as much as ninety women that he killed.
0: Yeah, like he crocodile tears he he breaks down, um, as part of like when he's giving testimonies he starts crying and shit like that. But he's taken police from dumps out to dump site to dump site and he's directing them to bodies that they obviously had fucking no idea were there, and he's currently, uh, we were speaking about it earlier, still in jail, and the Washington State Penitentiary, Penitentiary, sorry, and is 69 at the moment, is that right? Might been, that's my. yeah, I'm not going to be right now, but he's still, yeah. He's
1: still there, yeah. Why? Yes, Why yes, do you yes. do this, mate? Why? Any ideas? It's not as, it's not as easy a question as it, sometimes as with these guys, um, police and psychologists, who are much better at knowing this stuff than you and I, found it hard to get much out of him um, in regards to his motivation because he just seemed driven to the sex and the raping part of it. The killing wasn't a desire. He didn't get off on it. He didn't enjoy it. He didn't keep trophies, Jack. He didn't mix up his ways of doing it or anything like that. He literally just killed them to to get rid of them because they were evidence they were a loose end. um, Keeping them alive just meant to make it caught as a rapist. So it very much seemed to be that it was the sex that drove him. That was what he needed. That was his... Most serial killers need to feel the need to kill. He, I think he felt the need to to, to to have sex and to rape, and killing just became a little side bit of that because it became easier to do it. He didn't like being called a rapist, but
0: he didn't like that. Um, he actually said, I'm a murderer, not a rapist. He wasn't really, he didn't really like the whole rapist term, but he knew when he was doing this that police weren't too motivated, particularly. He knew that public opinion either didn't know about it or didn't particularly care. And he actually said, I killed so many women, I have a hard time keeping them straight in most cases when I killed these women. I didn't know their names. He read out in court most of the time, I killed them, was the first time I met them. I don't have a good memory of their faces. I wanted to kill as many women as I thought were prostitutes as I possibly could.
1: Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he's, he's trying to clean up the streets um, in his own warped fucking mental way. He wrote that he strangled many of the women, uh, mainly runaways and prostitutes, during sex, and that he left some bodies in clusters, and like we've like kind of said before, he enjoyed driving past the sites afterwards and reminiscing about like, the good times he'd had with them. Um... He would sometimes stop, he confirmed, and have sex with the bodies for two or three days after killing them. His basic cut-off time was when the flies came, Jack. Um, he, he knew that was when he had to then put them in the river because they were no use for anything at that point. Choking is what I did, and I was pretty good at it, he wrote in his statement. Um, when, like he said, that was the same statement where he said he killed so many women, he had a hard time keeping them straight. Yeah. Pick prostitutes as victims
0: because I hate prostitutes. Don't want to pay them for sex. They were easy to pick off without being noticed. Um, I knew they would not be reported missing right away and might never get reported missing. So, yeah, 49 confirmed victims, mate, up to 90 perhaps. Um, Fucked up, man, just like weird as fuck. He sort of made his way into culture, basically. Um, And you sent a picture of this artwork thing. By Phil Hansen, um, which is created, um, it's like a artwork depicting Gary Ridgway's face compiled of um, eleven thousand seven hundred ninety-two portraits of the forty-eight victims. It's a pretty good piece of artwork. Um, <laughs> I don't want it on my wall, but I don't want, a, I don't want it, it on my wall. It is a pretty nice
1: piece of artwork, yeah. The the one that gets me looking at this Jack as well is that we, we've we've got a list here, obviously of. All the people he killed. Now it'd be a very boring podcast to just sit and read that out. But just to give an idea, I'm just going to say some of the dates here, just just to start. um, People that were reported missing in July '82: one, two, three people in July '82; four in August '82; three in September '82; three in October '82; and three in December '82. That's 16 people between July and December of one year, mate. That he's eventually found to have murdered. That's the kind of numbers and the kind of spree we're talking about here. This was mental and yeah. rapid killing, regular killing. Mm. Twenty-five and
0: eighty-three, but it looks uh, at only two and eighty-four. Takes a wee break. Eight-six, eight-seven, ninety, ninety-eight. So yeah, um, just for those two years specifically, eighty-two, eighty-three. It seems like he murdered forty-one of his forty-nine confirmed victims, uh, like we said at the start, a Premier League serial killer um, one of the highest I think he's, he might be the highest American um, serial killer numbers wise um, I know some of the Colombians are pretty good at um, getting their numbers up pretty high but I think Gary Ridgway might be the highest American guy um, so yeah interesting uh, as always we, we spoke about this before um, just because they're so far away from just normality and that's why we find them so
1: interesting mate. Yeah absolutely um, it's it's just it, it's so I find it so interesting and I find it just so bizarre that I do end up going down rabbit holes reading about these people mate because I just can't understand it I can't get my head around it, it's just such a, a weird mental thing that it's hard to understand at times that another human being can do what these guys do and morbid curiosity takes over and you end up reading it and getting getting spewed in by it so I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope you've um, I hope it's not been too gross in terms of the descriptions and stuff like that but it is interesting stuff in my opinion
0: yeah we'll wrap it up there mate I suppose if you enjoy what we're doing leave a five star review you can buy us a coffee buy me a coffee for slash Long Term Memory visit the website for show notes there's full show notes there uh, yeah we'll be back Next week with another serial killer.